And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. Episode 51. Super depressing. <laughs> we come to you from Mokinsis, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsutsina Nations, the Iahe Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. You can find out what native lands you're on by looking at native-land.ca. Our sources for the show today, Shitty White People, History.com, <laughs> The Washington Post, PBS.org, and Britannica.com. I shouldn't just say shitty white people. It's no, it's shitty just people. shitty people. Yeah, yeah, shitty people. Yeah. You're off the hook this time. Whiteies. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to let you um, just go here, or unless we want to do fun stuff. Well, I mean, we yeah, let's say yeah, thank okay. you, first of all. Uh, thank you, thank you for downloading, subscribing. You know what I realized we forgot to say in our last episode? Huh. You know how, how we need to work on our exit? Yes. Uh, we didn't tell people how to contact us. Oh, no. Oopsies. So you can send us an email. We had no idea podcast at gmail.com. It is definitely an email that I monitor very closely and do not wait weeks to check. Uh, you can also get us on Instagram that I, uh, also do check frequently. And I say that much less sarcastically. We are on Instagram at we had no idea podcast. So yeah, thank you for, uh, for tuning in. And once again, for putting up with our, our delay, it's funny, we were talking about, oh, wow, Peter's gone through a couple of career changes, and that has changed our show. I went through another one this week, and uh, <laughs> we're still fighting through, so hey. maybe maybe that wasn't the, the best of excuses, but uh, well, here this, we are. Well, this new job offers you a lot of time at home. Right. All of my time at home. In fact, yeah, all of your time at home. Yeah. Sorry. A cord moved, and I literally was like, <gasps> ghost! Oh. I thought it was our cat adjusting. On the makeshift bed of blankets she's laying on. What a precious angel she is. Um, did you already go through our sources? You yeah. did. Okay, yeah, I did. sorry. I made sorry, the joke about sorry. white people, and then, oh, not all <laughs> white right, people. That's and right, then that's you right. said whiteies, and I got uncomfortable. I tote. <laughs> it's okay to be white. It's just not okay to be an asshole. Right. Mm. That's a shirt. <laughs> if it isn't already, yeah. should be now. So... We are doing this episode on the Roe v. Wade uh, case because it is something that was brought up in the Senate uh, in America recently. And, you know, as America's hat, decisions that happen in that country often affect the one that we live in. Yeah. Um, and Sorry, I know you're about to get rolling and yeah. I want to, to step in a couple okay. of times. Um, a, it's the Supreme Court, not the Senate. Um, which Sorry, is, Supreme Court, yes. Which is scarier, um, quite <laughs> honestly, because, you know, judges and laws and stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, we planned on doing this like right when that draft came out. Um, and then obviously we took our, our break, so, but um, still very pertinent and... Still, I think something that is very important to talk about. So anyway, um, I probably didn't need to jump in there, but uh, anyway, the floor. No, no, no the, I'm glad. I'm glad you said Supreme the, Court. I, the floor I is yours. Okay, so I do want to say right off the bat that I am pro-choice. Uh, there is no pro-life in this debate. There is only pro-choice or pro-birth, in my opinion. Uh, so before you get too far into this episode, please know that um, myself and Peter, mm -hmm. would you consider yourself pro-choice? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so both of the hosts of this show and myself as the host with the ability to carry a child. I mean, 
I, I think I haven't been tested or anything and I'm hardcore rocking an IUD, but, uh, <laughs> I am of the opinion that whatever I want to do with my body and any cells that are within it are my own damn business. Anyone who would want to take that choice away from me because they'll lose sleep at night or it's murder, uh, need to open their eyes to the millions of already, um, to the millions of, um, living and struggling souls on this planet and worry about the established and lived lives of them first. If you don't like or want an abortion, then don't get one. You turn a blind eye to real problems in this world um, just fine thus far. So um, it shouldn't be hard to do that for this made up one. Very well said. So that's what I would like to start this podcast with. Yes. <laughs> uh, and seconded. So, so let's get into this. Until the late 19th century, abortion was legal in the United States of America, proving that the country is kind of evolving in a Benjamin Button sort of way. Uh, before evolving. Uh, it was legal in the United States before quickening, the point at which the women could, a woman could first feel movements of the fetus, typically around the fourth month of pregnancy. Some of the early regulations related to abortion were enacted in the 1820s and 1830s and dealt with the sale of dangerous drugs that women used to induce abortions. Despite these regulations and the fact that the drugs sometimes proved fatal to women, they continued to be advertised and sold. <sighs> in the late 1850s, the newly established... Look, Amer sorry, hold on. You big side there about that? Yeah. I mean, birth control is prescribed for a number of things to women, um, just as kind of a catch-all still to this day. Yeah. And it's fine if you take birth control and if you yes. want to and if it helps you, but um, there are lots of cases, you know, it, like we, we deep sigh at these pills that were dangerous for women continued to be advertised and sold in the 1850s. But that's something that hasn't super changed. Yeah. <laughs> no. And also something that is dangerous and killing people, but continues to be advertised or sold. But our gun episode will be later. In the 1850s, the newly established American Medical Association began calling for the criminalization of abortion, partially in an effort to eliminate doctors, competitors, such as midwives and homeopaths. Damn, those midwives. Right. Additionally, some... Is that nativists? That is. What is the definition of a nativist? Well, uh, I believe the next line does kind of... Oh, really? <laughs> Alarmed by the... Oh, oh. <laughs> yep. You know, I read over these notes. Does that shock you? Well, Additionally, some nativists, alarmed by the country's growing population of immigrants... There you go. Here we go. We're anti-abortion because they fear declining birth rates among white American-born Protestant women. So again. <sighs> uh-huh. In 1869, a, the Catholic Church banned abortion at any stage of pregnancy, while in 1873, Congress passed the Comstock Law, which made it illegal to distribute contraceptives and abortion-inducing drugs through the U.S. mail. By the 1880s, abortion was outlawed across most of the country. We skip ahead to the 1960s. <laughs> and then nothing happened for 80 years. Right. 
Um, well, there were wars and stuff. They couldn't be bothered, I suppose. Uh, during the 1960s, during the women's rights movement, a court cases involving contraceptives laid the groundwork for Roe v. Wade. In 1965, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a law banning the distribution of birth control to married couples. Okay. Ruling that the law violated their implied right to privacy under the U.S. Constitution. In 1972, the Supreme Court struck down a law prohibiting the distribution of contraceptives to unmarried adults. I just have a quick cue. Okay. Who was sitting around being like, you know what the problem is with society these days in 1965 or 1972? Yeah. That people can have condoms. Yeah. That is the issue with society that I'm going to take. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. But that's fine. Around that time wasn't uh, or didn't show a dramatic increase in STIs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's all good. Meanwhile, in 1970, Hawaii became the first state to legalize abortion, although the law only applied to state residents. That same year, New York legalized abortion with no residency requirement. By the time of Roe v. Wade in 1973, abortion was also legally available in Alaska and Washington. In 1969, Norma McCorvey, a Texas woman in her, I feel like I just totally newsread that. In 1969, Norma McCorvey, a Texas woman in her early 20s. Norma McCorvey, a Texas woman in her early 20s, (laughs) sought to terminate an unwanted pregnancy. I feel like I've been news reading this whole thing. (laughs) McCorvey, who had grown up in difficult, impoverished circumstances, previously had given birth twice and given up both children for adoption. At the time of McCorvey's pregnancy in 1969, abortion was legal in Texas, but only for the purpose of saving a woman's life. While American women with the financial means could obtain abortions by traveling to other countries where the procedure was safe and legal or pay a large fee to a U.S. doctor willing to secretly perform an abortion, which has its own problems uh, tied to it, um, those abortions were out of reach for this particular woman and many other women. As a result, some women, and I should put a caveat here, and this might be like, you know, I never want to get into the realm of too woke. And this story does take place in the 1960s. Um, when we say women, we do, of course, mean um, able to carry children. Yes. Yeah. Um, some women resorted to illegal, dangerous back alley abortions or self-induced abortions. In the 1950s and 60s, the estimated number of illegal abortions in the United States ranged from 200,000 to 1.2 million a year, which of course has a give or take of a million because they were secret, mm-hmm. uh, according to the Guttmacher Institute. Guttmacher. Guttmacher. Um, <laughs> just the thought. Yeah. If any law that you implement leads to more back alley Anything? Anything. <laughs> back alley blank. Uh, probably not good. Probably really bad. Probably really, really bad. Yeah, and leads to more. Increases in instances. Yes. Yeah, bat- more back alley participation in anything is not a good idea. We do not want more back alley activities that are happening. Uh, after trying unsuccessfully to get an illegal abortion, McCorvey was referred to Texas attorneys Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington, who were interested in challenging anti-abortion laws. They were both recent gar- graduates of the University of Texas Law School. Had they been around 200 years earlier, likely would have been bore, uh, burned for witchcraft. Uh-huh. Oh my God, society history <laughs> sucks. 
In court documents, McCorvey became known as Jane Roe, if you're wondering where the road portion of this came from, which I was when I saw, I just assumed the person involved, one was Roe, one was Wade. Oh, Not the case. Right. Yeah. In 1970, the attorneys filed a lawsuit on behalf of McCorvey and all the other women, quote, who were or might become pregnant and want to consider all options against Henry Wade the district attorney of Dallas County, where McCorvey lived. Wait, hold on. Why did she become Jane Roe, though? Uh, I would imagine to protect her identity in this, I guess. I guess. Why not call her Jane Doe, then? Like, why Roe? Well, she's not dead. So the I guess you don't have to for... be dead to be Jane Doe. No. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We should, we should, someone with a history podcast should really look into that. Yeah. All right. You read. I'll quickly Google. <laughs> Earlier in 1964, Wade was in the national spotlight when he prosecuted Jack Ruby, who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, the alleged assassin of President John F. Kennedy. In June 1970, a Texas district court ruled that the state's abortion ban was illegal. The judges found the stat statute... Mm-hmm. There's three T's in that word. Yep. Stat statute. Like a statute of limitations? Mm-hmm. Whoa, that is not how I thought that was spelled. <laughs> okay. I, I Quick abs- aside. Yeah. How did you? I thought there was one less T. I thought it was a st- Oh, like a statute like of limitations. A statue of limitations. Right. Not a statute of just limitations. One of those things where, like, we just, ah, we have a bunch of different meanings for this one word. Let's just throw this one on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it was statute. Like the two statutes in question, you know? Yeah. My cousin Vinny reference for you. <laughs> um, McCorvey told the press that she was Jane Roe after uh, the decision was reached, stating that she sought an abortion because she was unemployable and greatly depressed. I don't well, know it if didn't that really protect anything. her identity. No. If that's what she was going for. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, um, the judges found that the statute was too vaguely worded and violated the right to privacy in the Ninth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Afterward, Wade declared he'd continue to persecute doctors who performed abortions. Prosecute. Persecute? Both. Both. He'd do both. <laughs> the case... <laughs> The case eventually was appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Meanwhile, McCorvey, there was an R in that earlier. Yep. McCorvey gave birth uh, and put the child up for adoption. So all that big mess to say that I just said was that Wade is a district attorney for Dallas County where McCorvey lives at the time. That's why it's uh, Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the person that... uh, also prosecuted Jack Ruby and do I need to do this? I feel like it was just a big mess. Like I even lost track of what I was saying. No, I think it, I think the people could kind of follow along. Okay. All right. Well, we'll just move on then. Okay. Uh, Warren Berger, an appointee of Republican president, Richard Nixon was Supreme court chief justice. Soon after arguments began, justices Hugo Black and John Marshall Harlan, the second retired to replace them. Nixon appointed Lewis Powell Jr. And William Rehnquist. Six of the justices were now Republican appointees. 
In May 1972, the court decided the case should be re-argued in the fall term because the two new justices hadn't heard arguments and couldn't vote. The court held a second round of arguments on October 11, 1972. Liberal Justice William Douglas opposed the delay in a presidential election year. The fact that he had written a memo dissenting against the decision to rehear the case was leaked to the Washington Post. Douglas's full memo was revealed in the book The Brethren Inside the Supreme Court by Bob Woodward, who we heard about in Watergate, and Scott Armstrong, who we might have, I don't remember. In, <laughs> uh, it read, in part, to prolong these abortion cases into the next election would, in the eyes of many, be a political gesture unworthy of the court. Keep that in mind when we're talking about here and now. On June 22nd, 1973, the Supreme Court, in a 7-2 decision, struck down the Texas law banning abortion, effectively legalizing the procedure nationwide. In a majority opinion written by Justice Harry Blackman, the court declared that a woman's right to an abortion was implicit in the right to privacy protected by the 14th Amendment, which also came up in the case of interracial marriages, which is the part of um, Roe v. Wade that is being, I guess, attacked, for lack of a better term, uh, now. Which, again, when we're talking about abortions and interracial marriages, leads you down a not great slope, mm -hmm. I suppose. Mm -hmm. The court divided pregnancy into three trimesters and declared that the choice to end a pregnancy in the first trimester was solely up to the woman. In the second trimester, the government could regulate abortion, although they could not ban it, in order to protect the mother's health. After the first trimester, abortion can't be banned before the pregnancy is quote-unquote viable, uh, so before the baby could be able to survive outside the womb. Justice Harry Blackman, in the majority opinion, wrote, quote, This right of privacy, whether it be founded in the 14th Amendment's concept of personal liberty and restrictions upon state action as we feel it is, or in the Ninth Amendment's res reservation of rights to the people, is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether to terminate her pregnancy. In the third trimester, the state, or sorry, end quote. <laughs> In the third trimester, the state could prohibit abortion to protect a fetus that could survive on its own outside the womb, except when a woman's health was in danger. The landmark ruling came two days after Nixon was sworn in for a second term, and news of the ruling was overshadowed in newspaper headlines across the world by news that former President Lyndon B. Johnson had died at age 64. Norma McCorvey maintained a low profile following the court's decision, but in the 1980s, she was active in the abortion rights movement. Um, just quickly, before we get into the rest of this, reading a little bit more, um, it turns out that they wanted to keep her like kind of separate from everything before, so that's why um, they named her Jane Roe, but then she announced um, that she was, in fact, Jane Roe. Mm. So... That is why. They, they wanted to protect her at first, but she was like, oh, no, I don't need that. Um, also, she had just a horrifying upbringing um, that I don't think we really got into. No, we in said that this. she grew up kind of troubled, impoverished. Yeah. Uh, one quote here. This is from allthatsinteresting.com if you want to read more on it, which, like, definitely don't. Uh, quote from McCorvey's mom in Vanity Fair in 2013. Again, quote, I beat the fuck out of her. You can only take so much of nervousness. She was wild. Wild. 
Uh, McCorvey was desperate for an escape. I'm reading this directly. This is all direct quotes from allthatsinteresting.com. Uh, as a girl, she robbed a gas station and became a ward of the court in a Texas boarding school. But she couldn't escape her abusive family. Five years later, a male relative took McCorvey in and repeatedly raped her. At 15, McCorvey attempted an escape again, this time by meeting 21-year-old Woody McCorvey while working at a roller skating car hop. Within a year, they were married. McCorvey soon gave birth to their child. Um, once again, Woody began beating her. McCorvey left. She began abusing drugs and alcohol. So this is not someone who had a great start in life. Mm-hmm. In the 1990s, after becoming friends with the head of an anti-abortion group and converting uh, converting to Catholicism, that was a weird way of pronouncing that, uh, McCorvey turned into a vocal opponent of the procedure. McCorvey died on February 18th of 2017 at age 69 while living in assisted living facility in Katy, Texas. In what she called a, quote, deathbed confession, McCorvey said that she had been paid by religious interest groups to turn against abortion. Quote, I took their money and they put me in front of the cameras and tell me what to say. McCorvey said in an interview filmed for the 2020 FX documentary, a.k.a. Jane Roe, she added, if a young woman wants to have an abortion, that's no skin off my ass. That's why they call it choice. So. Mm -hmm. Just so like all of it. So depressing. Like, A, the fact that this is even a conversation. B, that this woman who had a horrible life. Um, that that kind of rough upbringing, I suppose, and that rough life gets, I would say, taken advantage of by religious interest groups to bribe her. Because, like, if you're living in a tough way, a bribe is going to help out, you know, and it's going to be tough to not take. Mm -hmm. And so to exploit that for something where she was such a, I guess... I don't know what the right word is, but such a symbol for that movement mm -hmm. that like, it's just all of it. It's disgusting. The whole thing. Yeah. So why is this being brought up yet again? In March, 2018, when the Mississippi state legislator, uh, later adopted the gestational age act, it prohibited almost all abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy, well before the point of viability at about 24 weeks. On the day that uh, this act was to take effect, the Jackson Women's Health Organization, the only licensed abortion clinic in Mississippi, filed suit in federal district court challenging the constitutionality of the law. A year and a half later, a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit upheld the district court's ruling as follows. In an unbroken line dating to Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court's abortion cases have established and affirmed and reaffirmed a woman's right to choose an abortion before viability. States may regulate abortion procedures prior to vi viability so long as they do not impose an undue burden on the women's right and they may not ban abortions. The law at issue is a ban. Thus, we affirm the district court's invalidation of the law as well as its discovery rulings and its award of permanent injunctive relief. The Fifth Circuit's ruling was then appealed to the Supreme Court, which agreed in May 2021 to review the case, though it limited the issues to be decided to a single question of whether all bans of pre-viability abortions are unconstitutional. Oral arguments were heard in December of 2021, and the ruling was supposed to be released in June of 2022. So, meow. 
where we are currently living uh, uh, in May. An apparent draft of a majority opinion in the case was leaked to a political news publication and indicated that the court had voted to overturn both Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So taking it out of the Constitution. Uh, yes. Unconstitutionally protecting it. Yes. Yeah, they, they are arguing that it was not clear enough and that the Constitution doesn't actually um, protect abortions. Mm-hmm. How fucking dare they? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's... Um... Uh, Trevor Noah, who has like a quick soundbite on this, and it it goes something like, you know, we should leave choices about the people up to the government. But then, you know, there's like so many different states like New York is not the same as Montana. So maybe we should leave it up up to the states to decide. But dang, the cities are not the same as rural areas. So maybe we should just leave it up to the counties. But, you know, it seems that within counties, there are vastly different mindsets. Maybe just maybe we should leave this up to the individual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so well I mean, I, I truly am speechless. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, this and, isn't... And this is happening in, in the States, but like I said, like we are adjacent, mm-hmm. very closely adjacent. So to think that, you know, something like this isn't already in the works here and not already under threat here is just naive. Um, and, you know, with, with all of the Roe v. Wade stuff being in the news again... It's definitely brought out the pro-birthers in in Calgary. I've seen mm-hmm. them more times in the past month than I have the whole pandemic. Um, you know, it turns out their care for <laughs> their care for what women are doing with their bodies really only matters when they can get some television time out of it. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to look into um, kind of uh, abortion laws around the world to kind of wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a Wikipedia source, which, you know, we don't often use, but, um, this was the most kind of concise area to find, um, these percentages. So according to the UN, uh, or to a UN report with data gathered in 2019, abortion is allowed in 98% of countries in order to save a woman's life. So there is like, there's grounds one through six, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to deciding on abortion rights. Okay. So ground one is to save the carrier of the child. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically it. So abortion is allowed in 98% of countries on ground one. Um, other commonly accepted uh, reasons for preserving physical or mental health of the um, carrier of the child is 72% and 69% of countries allow that. Okay. In cases of rape or incest, 61% of countries allow that. Um, in cases of fetal impairment is also 61%. Uh, performing an abortion because of economic or social reasons is accepted in 37% of countries. And performing abortion only on the basis of a woman's request is allowed in 34% of countries. Um, and that... Depressingly low, but higher than I thought all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the time of this poll, that did include the United States, Canada, most European countries, and China? Question mark? Um, 
and for the record, it does still include the United States. Um, like, not, nothing there has officially changed yet. It, and also this, like, that's United States as the country. Like, one state in the United States could still allow it. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. would be on that list. Well, that that is the, the other part of Roe v. Wade, is that if th- there are um, legal triggers, I think it's 13 states, I could mm-hmm. be wrong on that one, that the second Roe v. Wade is, like, taken down or written out or whatever, then abortion immediately for everything becomes illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Not good. No. But yeah, I thought it was interesting too that only 34% of countries uh, will perform abortions on the basis of a woman being like, but I don't want to have this kid. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have a reason. I didn't, you know, get a fucking doctor's note. Yeah. <laughs> for this abortion. I just don't want this kid. Right. Um. Yeah, I also found it really interesting in this. I didn't realize that, um, like, it's not necessarily – Roe v. Wade wasn't ever necessarily based off of a woman's choice. It was based off of her right to privacy. Yeah. And – Which is an interesting spin that I didn't realize happened to get that put in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that was that was the whole thing about um, contraceptives too. It's that mm-hmm. like, why are we controlling what people do with their lives to this extent? Yeah. And apparently, in two thousand twenty-two, they're just like, lol, why not? Yeah. Um, because contraception is on the the table as well. Like that, it's mm-hmm. it, it is not just abortions; it is everything. I mean, quite honestly, sorry for fucking existing. Like, how dare you try and ban? Um, this right to abortion and then mm-hmm. also contraceptives like sorry sorry that people exist yeah. i truly am but we do and um i'm gonna need to make some choices for myself please and thank you <laughs> uh to let you know how close to home it can get uh global news story from may 3rd 2000 uh, oh this is 2018 i could have swore this was or uh, more recent. But anyway, um, Alberta's opposition united... Oh, so it was 2018. Uh, Alberta's opposition united conservatives sat stone-faced and silent Thursday, looking at phones and tablets that oppose, uh, as opponents accused them of misogyny and political cowardice over the government's proposed abortion clinic buffer zone bill. When it came time to vote, mm-hmm. the united conservatives walked out of the chamber. Um, so that that's just... A buffer zone at abortion clinics so people going to get abortions. Already a major decision, fork in the road moment of your life. Or, and sorry, pause. Yeah. Not just abortions happen at those clinics. Mm-hmm. Consultations, knowing what your options are. Right. Getting contraceptives, knowing what those are. Yeah. All, education happens at those. And to get there, you have to run through a video game-esque gauntlet of people harassing you basically nonstop. Yeah. Calling you a monster, calling you a murderer. Yeah. Just really adding on to that decision that I'm certain everyone takes lightly. Yeah. Yeah, just a casual whatever. And, you like, know, really just, deterring the education of people. Like I just can't imagine giving a fuck. Like, about it, what other people do? No. Right, yeah. No. Like, you're not hurting anyone. And I, I understand, like, some people, oh, well, it's murder. It's not. Um, and if you want to do anything in the Bible, like, by all means, read through the whole thing and find where it says that. But, um... Like, I just, I can't, like, it doesn't, it literally is the furthest thing from affecting you. Mm -hmm. Like, this, and gay marriage, and interracial marriage, a fucking parently. Like, none of this affects anyone. Yeah. In any way. And I I think one of the, one of the points that, 
or, or a few of the points that pro birthers are trying to say is that, you know, well, it's, it's my tax dollars first off that pay for the healthcare. And if abortion is basic healthcare, um, then tax dollars would pay for it. But it's like, well, people who don't have children, maybe that's a too, too close of a tangent example, but like we, we don't currently have kids. Mm-hmm. We still have our taxes go towards public schools. Uh, I don't, uh, dri- way, I don't no drive problem. every day. Yeah. It doesn't mean that potholes don't get filled in. Like it is a fundamental right and it is our right to choose. And no one, like I am willing to bet that 100% of people are not asking for free unlimited access to abortions. No. There is nobody asking for that. But the right to choose is what is being asked for. And if that is taken away, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's a scary time. Um, and you, you would think that a decision this be big would kind of be the end of the slippery slope. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like, oh man, we're with whatever decision, we're getting a slippery slope so that one day this thing that should just be available isn't. Mm-hmm. That would be crazy. But the fact that this could be the start of a absolutely horrifying slippery slope yeah um is like just it, it is truly difficult to wrap your head around makes me want to live off the grid totally yeah. i'll tell you that for free yeah um yeah so thank you for listening and um you know policy changes start with us the government works for us at the end of the day so if you uh, feel as outraged as I do about this, um, even though it's not currently and aggressively happening uh, <laughs> in this country, and I say aggressively because it probably is happening, um, but if you uh, want to do something about it too, email your MLA, your mm-hmm. MPs, your representatives, and tell them that this is important to you uh, because they work for you. So let them know. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, shit, it's me. (laughs) I looked at you because I was like, okay, turn it off.